0: Zone. Welcome to the Zaddies on Zaddy Zone. The best thing you can do to eat a healthier diet in order to live a better life is to prioritize protein. Protein helps you gain and keep lean muscle mass. And the best thing about protein is that of all the macronutrients, meaning carbs, fat, and protein, protein is the most satiating of all of them. AKA, it keeps you fuller for longer. So, when I snack, I always try and keep it high in protein. And one of the staples in this house to help with this is Paleo Valley Beef Sticks. They are 100% grass fed and grass finished, and six grams of protein per stick. And of course, they're delicious. Chap chows down, and I'm like crazy. So, they're great for kids and adults. All the beef is sourced from small domestic farms in the US. The sticks are also fermented, so they're naturally high in probiotics, which are great for the gut. And grass-fed beef is higher in omega-3 fatty acids, vitamins and minerals, glutathione, CLA, bioavailable protein. They're also keto-friendly, and again, a great protein-rich snack to grab on the go. Very, very convenient. Head over to paleovalley.com forward slash zaddy to get 15% off your first order. That's paleovalley.com forward slash zaddy. To get 15% off your first order,
1: XOXO, Sadie. Chinese medicine, like organic, regenerative, that kind of stuff. Yeah,
0: well, let's talk about that. Nika, we're live, we're recording right now, but we're going to talk about Chinese medicine. That's my hope. We're going to talk about organic. We're going to talk about regenerative. If we can, that'd be great. I'd like to talk about you holistically as a human being who is a CEO and mom. Um,
1: Not CEO, sorry, just founder i used to be the ceo but i now have a ceo so i'm the founder Our
0: founder yeah yeah see that means nothing yeah. to anybody but you no one knows the difference between a CEO and a founder i don't know the difference as far as i'm concerned well,
1: we can talk about that if you want to no
0: I, we're not doing a lesson on business yeah. you're the okay. you're a ceo yeah. whether you like it or not seriously if something goes wrong okay. at the business you're getting fucked <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's true. That is true.
0: Nika Pasquale, it's such a joy to have you here on the the Zaddy Zone. You're my friend. We've hung out a couple of times now. I just wanted to get a little introduction. Tell us who you are.
1: Yeah, and I have to start with, I told my son this morning that I'm doing your podcast, and basically I might as well be on Oprah. He was like, oh my God, can I stay home from school? I can't believe it. Like He was super excited. He loves you. I love that. I Um, love that. Yeah, so I am the founder of Urban Remedy. And my background is in Chinese medicine. So I'm a licensed acupuncturist and herbalist and practice Chinese medicine. I had a private practice for about 11 years. And after that, which is kind of how I got into the food is medicine piece and how I started Urban Remedy. And, um, and then I decided to go full force into Urban Remedy. So I'm still licensed. But I'm focused more on the food is healing and healing people on the planet through food. and, and don't have a private practice right now.
0: Yeah. So the uh, the whole food is medicine thing, is that controversial? People say that food isn't medicine. Are there people who say that?
1: Yes, there are people that say that. Oh. I think I think it's also, I think it's two things. I think that it has become a little bit of a buzzword. So I think there's so many brands out there that are saying, oh, food is medicine. And um, so I think it's a little bit trendy. Um I have seen, you know, in my practice, you know, somebody with a chronic illness, um, I could give an example, like I was treating somebody who had lupus and I said, let's get you on this anti-inflammatory diet and get rid of, you know, all the inflammatory foods. And, you know, I was putting her on this specific diet. She went back to her primary care physician and then I saw her the next time and she said, you know, I, I asked my doctor about going on this diet and he said, there's absolutely zero scientific, scientific evidence evidence or proof that diet has any effect on your condition. And so I think that, you know, in like, I think it's changing a little bit. I think in the Western medicine, um, schooling, you know, there's very little training on on health and nutrition, as you know, And so, but I think people are becoming more conscious of it and really connecting the dots. There's a bunch of doctors who, you know, talk about it and whatnot. So I think it's changing, but I do think that it's not standard of care when it comes to treating chronic illness.
0: Yeah, that's shocking. I mean, it's shocking to me to hear that. They call Alzheimer's... uh, uh Diabetes,
1: type two diabetes,
0: type three diabetes. Yeah. I think they call it oh, Alzheimer's three, yeah. now because of how diet related yep. it is, but because of how insulin related it is. So, I mean, I, yes. I just don't, I don't see it being controversial that food is medicine. I mean, unless you make medicine and you don't want people to think that medicine is cheap or something, I just don't see how it's a controversial topic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just did a podcast with Dr. Robert Lustig, and I asked him that question, and his response is. Look at, you know, look at our medical system, the pharmaceutical companies fund medical schools. Mm. And so they're really they have an interest in what is being taught in medical schools, which is using pharmaceutical drugs. And there's no money to be made on somebody changing their diet. And so it's really, you know, it's one of the things that hopefully in time will change. In our medical systems. And
0: also dietitians, we hear about dietitian schools and nutritionist schools are funded by big food. So Nestle funds dietitian oh, yeah. schools. So it's like, who do we trust? You know, and it's yes. essentially, the person you choose to trust or that is somebody who should not be Some profiting people. off wh- whatever they're giving you to do. So if they can give you yeah. a, a, a diet plan that doesn't profit them, yeah. then you should probably listen to that person.
1: Yeah. And yes, no disrespect to dietitians, but I can't tell you how many meetings I've been in with other food companies we were going to do something with. And they were like, well, our dietitian wants to come in and, you know, ask you some questions. And, you know, there's one time uh, we were talking to somebody about our bars and they're high in fat, but they have like cacao butter and coconut Mm -hmm. oil and flaxseed. And, she was like, "Well, I I am really worried that you know somebody's going to get a heart attack or w- somebody's going to sue us because of the high saturated fat, you know, in these bars. And they're super low glycemic. They have like five grams of sugar and like ten grams of protein. Yep. And yep. and and so I think that's where a lot of dietitians come from. It's this." It's it's a very simplistic view of a calorie as a calorie and not really looking at the micro and, and macros and how those work together, mm-hmm. especially if it relates to inflammation and things like that. And so it's, yeah, it's always when somebody is a registered dietitian, I'm always curious, like what other training they've had or... And I think there's some great dietitians out there, but what you said is correct about the training. Yeah,
0: no no doubt there are great dietitians out there. They also ignore the culture. They don't know the history of how fat was vilified by the sugar industry in order to get people to eat more grains and sugar. Like an actual history about you know Kellogg and Colgate teaming up to vilify saturated fat and cholesterol and say that's the bad guy. And if you're not aware of that history, then I'm not sure you're quite ready to comment on whether fat is bad for you.
1: Yes. Yes. And it's still, and you know what, that story is still going on in some of the medical circles. I mean, it still has, there's still doctors that are going to tell you, you know, that you should eat canola oil and you should eat, you know, seed oils, which we know are super inflammatory.
0: Yes. uh, I mean, this is uh, an interesting, I'm happy to dive in right here. This is really fun. So the thing with with me and seed oils is that I understand they're a very scientific uh evidence-based people i put that in inverted commas who are just obsessed with the science and if the science isn't there then there's no evidence that for instance seed oils a lot of people say that seed oils aren't bad for you it's like okay well then what's wrong with mcdonald's fries what's wrong with mcdonald's fries if that's what you think if seed oils aren't bad for you then what's wrong with mcdonald's fries and i'd like to see in your kitchen how often are you cooking (laughs) these people how often are they cooking with safflower rapeseed you know, how often they cooking with soy and corn oil. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to know. And it just seems well, short
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I have gone into people's kitchens and seen canola oil or safflower oil or vegetable oil. And I'm always shocked. I just can't. I'm like, should I say anything or should I not? <laughs> um, and people are still, there are people that still, you know, one, it's cheaper. And yes. so for some people yes. that are really worried about budget, and not really thinking about their health as much, it's much cheaper than a great olive oil. And so I think there's that piece. And then, uh, you know, other people's like, that's what their mom used, or whatever, yeah. and they're still doing it. Um, or Pam, I went into somebody's, I'm not going to tell you whose kitchen it was, but I went into somebody who you might know who I thought was very health conscious, and she had Pam yeah. spray. Ah. And I- not believe it, and so anyway, I think it's very common. I think people like us are very aware of it, but I think there's a lot of people who still don't have that connection. Yeah, and
0: I think that if somebody's out there and they have Pam in their in their you know uh, whatever they've got it in their kitchen, there's nothing. Here's the thing: the evidence doesn't state that it's absolutely terrible for you. The evidence just states that that it's highly processed, which it is, and that it. It doesn't have any real, uh, nutritive value, but furthermore, the evidence is backed by people. The evidence that's in place right now is backed by huge food companies. Every huge food company in the world, McDonald's, KFC, these pizza hut, all these companies that profit massively off using cheap oil are the people behind these studies that are saying it's absolutely okay to eat. I, I, I'd prefer to err on the side of, and that's what I say to everybody out there, I'd err on the side of caution and not eat it. If you're an evidence-based evidence based person who needs all the science, I'd err on the side of caution by not taking it because I think history will show in the end that it is inf- inflammatory and it is terrible for you, which is what I believe right now. But if you're not sure, I'd just err on the side of caution and just not eat it.
1: Yeah. But I think history does show. I think if you look at, um, you know, when we started, you know, moving to monocrops and using seed oils, um, mm-hmm. you know, it made food cheaper. And it was, you know, around the same time we started using GMOs for corn, soy, wheat, and et cetera, you know, those two things. And in that same time period, we started using more glyphosate yes. and things like that. Um you know, and you look at a graph and you look at the rate, like when my mom was young, she said nobody ever, like having a heart attack or cancer was a rare mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. it's extremely common. If you hear that somebody has cancer or is has an issue with their heart, you're like, oh, it's really not that shocking, no. right? Yeah. And if you look at the graph of how chronic disease has increased compared to our farming practices, mm-hmm related to what I just said, they, there's a correlation there. And people have done that. And I've seen the, the graph and it's very interesting, but you're right. I mean, everybody, it's a free world and people should be able to eat what they want. And um, But understanding these kinds of things usually um, can help people make an informed choice.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a multifaceted, I've seen that graph. It's like chronic disease goes up like crazy the minute that this... Yeah huge agriculture and big food comes into it use of seed oils for instance the famous the famous case is mcdonald's they used to use beef tallow in their fries and then they switched to canola or well, they switch these cheap seed oils. And I don't think it's just seed oils. It's probably like a lack of nutrients in food, a higher amount of processed yeah. food, which is more moorish, easily, more easily overeaten and less nutritious mm-hmm. and therefore leads to mm-hmm. obesity and leads to all of these other issues down the line. And so I think it's multifaceted, but you can see a graph yeah. of use of seed oils, which is aligned with chronic disease going up absolutely so let's talk about chinese medicine because i'm absolutely fascinated um i hung out with you a couple of weeks ago and you you had us you had us stick out our tongues and looked at our tongues (laughs) and i just thought this is so fascinating and something i'd never thought about so tell me about the tongue and how it is kind of a a roadmap for what may be going on inside
1: Yeah, well, there's different um, diagnostic tools used in Chinese medicine. And Chinese medicine is one of the oldest medicines around. It's 3,500 years old. It's much older than Western medicine. Mm. And um, there's different diagnostic tools in Chinese medicine that obviously are very different than Western medicine. And it's really such a different way of looking at the body. When I was studying Chinese medicine, I literally, it was almost like I had to relearn how the body works over again. And it's because when you're used to a certain system and then you start understanding in the body, the body in a different way, it's, it's a complete mind switch. And, um, in Chinese medicine, the body, you know, in Taoist philosophy is considered a microcosm of nature Mm. of the Mm. universe. And so we look at Chi and Chi is the energy that flows through the body that flows through meridians Mm -hmm. and when you have like this is super simple but if you have a blockage of chi that a lot of times will cause pain or it could be um at the root cause of some health condition and so one of the ways that you can look at the constitution of somebody is by looking at their tongue and you know at a very simplistic level like if your tongue is bright red it means you have a lot of heat. If your tongue is super pale, usually you're blood deficient. If you have a very like thick coat on your tongue, then that's a sign of dampness. And and we also look at where the coat is on the tongue. Mm. And then we look at the bottom, you know, uh, this area. And if those veins are super blue and purple, that's a sign of liver cheese stagnation. Um, mm. So there's lots of, and then if the sides of your tongue are, have scallops like puffy with teeth marks, that's a sign of spleen chi deficiency, which you probably don't know what that means. But anyway, so we, that's just one, that's one way that we can kind of see like what's going on inside the body. Yeah.
0: I mean, I bet everybody right now is looking at their mirror in a tongue. (laughs) Because it is interesting, it kind of made everybody yeah. a little bit self-conscious. It was led by me; it wasn't led by you. I was like, yeah. "What do you think about my tongue?" And then everyone was like showing yeah. their tongue, and they were a little bit like, "Oh my gosh, what if, <laughs> what if she tells me yeah. I have chronic bad breath or something terrible?" Yeah. So, so let's just say, let's just say you find a little spleen issue, or you see something in the tongue that could could point to a spleen issue. Would you then mm-hmm. acupuncture around the spleen? Is that something that you would do? I, I'm I'm a novice, so please tell me.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, no, not necessarily. So then we also will feel your pulses and we, that's another diagnostic tool. So the pulses obviously have different qualities and give us insight, more insight into how your body specifically is working. And so, for example, if somebody has like the puffy tongue with scallops and then we feel the pulse and the pulse has like, we call it a slippery, um, Sensation, then that those two things correlate with like a spleen chi deficiency. So spleen chi deficiency in Chinese medicine is not the same as looking at your spleen in Western medicine. So in Western medicine, your spleen is important for your immune system. Um, in Chinese medicine, your spleen and stomach are paired organs that really relate to your digestive system. Mm-hmm. And they work together. And so, for example, if you're somebody who's like a worrier, if you're always like constantly in your mind and like worrying about everything, like, oh, my God, what am I going to do if this happens? And, you know, it's like a on repeat, it tends to deplete the spleen energy. And so you might end up with things like bloating or poor digestion or acid reflux or burping or things like that. Um And what we do is, you know, we'll work on your diet because there's certain things that the spleen really hates, like ice cream and tofu and things that are more like heavy and um, cold. Mm. And then there are certain points that we do that are along the spleen and stomach channel. But that's so the... Those meridians, you know, run through your body and aren't necessarily, it's not like you go to the spleen, but you go to the meridian that's associated with the spleen or stomach. And then we can do points to like, one other really cool part about Chinese medicine is, is the balance between yin and yang, which is like the balance between hot and cold, dark and light. Um, And it's the same, you know, and I love that philosophy because it's really about, Living in harmony with nature, right? If our bodies are microcosms of the universe, it's how do we live in in a balance? How do we live in harmony with nature, with like the sun and the moon mm. and and that kind of not too esoteric? Yeah. But it really it really is that. Like so, when you have too much when you have spleen spleetefic- deficiency, you'll have dampness in your body, for example. And then we could do acupuncture points to help drain that dampness. Mm. You know, and open that meridian that might be clogged. Whereas sometimes we have points that we want to tonify the energy or give energy to. Mm. And then other times we have points that we want to move the energy in a different way.
0: Yes. Uh, Now we have, I have a few concepts that I need to understand first. The cold thing, ice cream, tofu, meaning you, meaning when you digest them cold, like when they are temperature wise cold, that's affecting your body.
1: Yeah. So in Chinese medicine, every food, and this is the thing I absolutely love about Chinese medicine. Every food has a taste, a temperature, an associated meridian, and a medicinal quality. Mm. So it's it's just like the materia medica, you know, of Chinese herbs and how, so you might look at, so like if I was going to look at you and I was like, oh, he, let's just keep it super simple. Like you have a fever. So I'm not going to give, I'm going to give you herbs that tend to be cooling mm. right to cool the fever i mean sometimes we do get warmer herbs so you sweat like when you first get sick right. but it's that balance of um the taste and the temperature so because the spleen hates cold so so if you want to like balance that out you want to eat foods that are more warming so tofu in chinese medicine tends to be damp and cold mm. It's one of the worst things you can eat if you have spleen chew deficiency. Same with ice cream like cold dairy. Those two things are the, you know, perfect example of what your spleen doesn't like. Right. What your spleen does like is warm soups, things that are easy to digest yes. like congee or, you know, things like that.
0: And then what about dampness? Could you explain that to me? What does dampness mean to you? Cuz it like fluidy, like yeah. I don't understand.
1: Yeah. Um so if you think of dampness, think of the environment, right? Since we're microcosms of the universe, um, dampness is related to moisture. And when you think of the body, blood is, an, which is yin. So fluids in the body are yin and movement in the body is yang. And so when you put those two things together, you want your blood to be, your circulation to be good through the meridians, and you need your chi, your energy to get everything to flow. Then if you have a damp stagnation, it blocks that energy from flowing freely. So if you look at the environment, let's say your house has a leak and water's leaking and it's in your walls and it's not draining through, what happens? Mold starts growing, right? Right. So you can think of that. That's like, that is the result of water not moving through that creates dampness. It's kind of like that. Does that make sense? Stuck
0: energy. Like the the, the energy isn't flowing through properly. Maybe your blood isn't flowing the way that it should be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's thick. It's heavy. It's very, it's like cloying. It's very, um, It's, it's, it's clogging. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure.
0: So if somebody comes to you with a damp thing, like what's the move we're going to go, we're going to go to move this around. We need circulation.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We're going to do some acupuncture points to drain damp.
0: Mm.
1: So we're going to do some acupuncture. And then if we're doing herbal therapy, we're going to give you an herbal formula that helps to support your spleen and stomach and drain dampness. Yes. And it, it depends on the person and the person's constitution. And there's lots of other aspects that we look at. You know, we're looking at the whole picture. So if this is the main part of the picture, we're going to drain dampness. And then we're going to talk about diet. And we're going to say, you know, these are the foods, like if you're eating nuts and seeds, like eat, those are pretty damp producing. So maybe just eat little bits of those, eat foods that are warming, like ginger, um, ginger is really great for dying, drying, damp and supporting the spleen and stomach mm. and, um, movement, like moving your body is super important. Cause that gets, you know, the waterways flowing, Yeah,
0: you know? Yeah, great.
1: And so, yeah,
0: it, it, it's such, it, it makes sense to me. And just, just to clarify, this is ancient, right? Like we're talking about yeah. the, the Chinese medicine would be like thousands and thousands of years old, as in every food is accounted for and has a medicinal purpose and is bad for yeah. certain areas it's better for certain other, other areas, right?
1: Yes. It's 3,500 years old. Wow. I mean, and think about Western medicine as hundreds of years old.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And yeah, and, it's, and if, it's really interesting if you go to China, you know, it's a, still a very, very important and large part of their medical system there. Yeah.
0: That's, that's amazing.
1: And it's such good medicine, Luke. It's so, so you've never had acupuncture or have uh, you? I
0: had it once when I put my back out and I just like, was like, oh, may as well give it a go. And I went and <laughs> gave it a go. I, I found it to be quite effective and relieving, um, but I never th- have thought about it really ever since. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's a f- what you're saying really makes a lot of sense to me because I was thinking yesterday, I was like, I'm out of balance. I'm always pushing for energy and I'm never relaxing. Like I'm always going, going, going and never like, okay, just we need to take an hour where we listen to some calm music and we off, you know, the, we switch off the productivity or like the constant productivity. Um, Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm in a a, a certain time in my life where I need to be producing, where I'm kind of like, I'm sick of like, I look back on so many years where I haven't produced as much as I do now. So I'm kind of looking to make up for all that and I'm excited by what I'm doing, but I do see that, I'm imbalanced and what you're talking Mm -hmm. about is realizing that within ourselves. I'm sure a lot of people listening are feeling that way too, or the opposite or, you know,
1: well, yeah, I love what you're saying because you are, you know, you have this great energy and you're so funny and you, you know, you have a lot to give and you know, all of that is very young mm. because you're doing, you know, when you're doing it's young. And so that's so great because right, that's your passion and you it makes you happy when you're doing it and you could see that. Mm-hmm. And then to balance that, it's just taking time. Even if it's just when you're going to sleep to go in and just like, you know, connect to your inner self and just take that time to be like, all right, I'm just, it's like it could be a meditation or just feeling your body, you know, taking the time to just like really connect, you know, and feel. And for some people, I mean, it might sound silly, but it's literally, you know, it's just like stroking your arm or something. It's like connecting and, and like touching your own body mm-hmm. and um, just connecting to the inner aspect, the yin, you know, the softness and the um, other part, the yin part, the Softer, not as active part of ourselves. It's like the moon versus the sun. You know what I yes, mean? Yes,
0: yes. I, I can see why. Perhaps my meditation that I do sometimes. It's called NSDR, Yoga Nidra. It's about like it's a kind of like a body scan. It's really like going through each yeah, part of the body yeah. and being with it and seeing where it's at, yes. filling it with warm light. Uh, that kind of reminds me of this. It's like bringing your Mind yeah. your body and being with yourself, and not trying to do anything. You're just being with you.
1: Yes, yes, I love that. That's the perfect balance for your young energy. So tell
0: me about yourself. Like, how do you come back into yin? Like, what? Because you're a C, you're a founder of a company, and you're a yeah. mom. You're a yeah. you're a busy person. So, how do you yes. find time? And how do you do it? What do you? What's your What's your go tos?
1: Um, you know. Well, honestly, I kind of had to learn the hard way because I had, you know, my acupuncture practice and then started Urban Remedy and had so much opportunity in front of me and my company grew so fast and I was CEO at that point and I had just had, you know, I had a baby and um, so for years, I would say for like eight years, I was in very much a young cycle and really so busy. And my kid wasn't sleeping and I had to wake up and go to these meetings and travel and do all these things. And I got to a point during COVID where like my body just kind of shut down. I lost 20 pounds and I was, cause I was not listening to myself. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't listening to my body. And it was such a good reminder to my, it was a good reminder of like everything that I know and practice, but I wasn't implementing in my own life. And it was just what I I was just sharing with you. It was really about reconnecting with myself and taking the time to just be alone and feel my emotions. And because I think a lot of us that get a lot of things done and, you know, find success in a certain way tend to be doers and or caretakers, which means we're always doing for other people and taking care of people. And sometimes it's more difficult to focus on ourselves. And so... That's really how I kind of got back into the way I healed myself. I had, you know, I I literally lost over 20 pounds Mm. and I couldn't gain weight back from my stress. And I, you know, I tried everything. I was doing acupuncture. I was doing homeopathy. I was doing like everything you could think of, and nothing was working for me. And the thing that worked was getting back into living in harmony with nature, meaning like sitting and getting sun in the morning, Mm. going to sleep early, like just being with myself. And the doing for me was just making it worse. The trying too hard to, because I was, when you get in your mind and you get almost mad at your body and that happens with illness too. It's like, what is wrong with me? Like, why don't I feel good? Why am I having this? I don't want this. What can I do? Who can help me? What supplement can I take? What person, what healer can I see? And everything is outside of ourselves. So it's like really coming back and remembering that our bodies are healing machines. And, And I think that's like one of the biggest things that most of us are separated from is really remembering that our bodies know how to heal and they know what to do. If we just give them the space to do it, um, then that's where true healing happens. And so anyways, that was my experience during COVID. And so that's how, you know, I really got back into balance, um, from that situation.
0: Yeah. It sounds like, you know, we're human, we're not human doers, we're human beings, you know, yeah. so we're yeah. people who are always doing, like yeah. you just mentioned, people who are successful are always going and doing. And, yeah. and sometimes it's like, well, it's time to be, it's time to not Think yeah. of all these activities. So, and then when you're sick or you're unwell, you're like, Well, how, what have I got to do? Which was exactly. all the doing puts you in this unhealthy state. All yeah. you, you think of all the things you can do rather than just being, which is, you know, not an easy practice. I'd say that actually would take a lot of um, self reflection and kindness. Yes. That wouldn't be easy. Yes. So, how did you do it as a CEO, yes. as a busy person, though? Because most people would listen to this and go, oh, Okay, so she just. She just was sitting out in nature and being, did you have to tell people to F off? Like, can I just have some time? Yeah. Yeah. How did you do that?
1: Because I was in a place before COVID where I was doing every single thing. Excuse me. I was, you know, working at at my company and then I was doing a lot of speaking engagements and I, and I didn't say no to anything. Mm. And then I would go and I would just, all of a sudden I was like, oh, I just don't feel good. Or, you know, I would have, I would inside, I would be having tons of anxiety, but I would be sitting on a stage in front of people talking about organic or food is healing or whatever it is. And so that's where the imbalance was, because I was talking about it, but I wasn't incorporating kind of those principles into my life. And so yeah, I had to like, take a break and say, Hey, I need, you know, I could be at this meeting or do this, but I need to slow down. And I took some time off and I moved out to a, a property out in nature. And just really changed. Like I started saying no to everything. A bit of no. You know, I started saying no to everything and just, and, and then I started just kind of listening to myself more and just instead of immediately saying saying yes to something, it was like, all right, well, is that really a yes for me or is it a no? And just kind of getting back into my intuition and, and just kind of following whatever that was. Mm. And it's been so fun. I mean, I've, I've, Now I'm kind of getting, now I'm like excited. I feel so much better after that. And so now I'm excited to, you know, I'm delving back into where I was and, um, you know, you go through ebbs and flows in your life and, um, and it's okay to go through those like dark night of the souls, because that's where you, you know, learn about healing and yourself and having compassion for other people that are going through difficult situations. And yeah, it's always it's, you know, I think like in a lot of people's struggles with health is where a lot of our biggest life lessons come in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And taking it, yeah, learning to take it easy on yourself or learning not to go and do. I think that's a huge lesson. If you're a doer, like it's like you have to have the balance of being, um, in, in, in the forefront of your mind. And I need that. I need that right now. So let's talk about, um, Let's talk about, no, I've got quickly got to ask about acupuncture because everybody out there who has yeah. never done it before is thinking, I don't like needles. What do you say to that? Yeah.
1: I don't like needles either. <laughs> you know, I don't like getting shots, Okay, <laughs> but, um, you know, acupuncture needles are really like the size of a hair. You know, there's nothing inside of them. They're not hollow needles mm. and, you know, you could bend it on your finger and they're very, very small. And there's different styles, like traditional Chinese medicine, which I was trained in, is, you know, we want to kind of catch the chi when you put the needle in to the point. And sometimes you can have a little sensation. But I started practicing more Japanese style. And that's very pain. It's usually it's pretty pain free. I'm very, very gentle. And so you put the needles in and most people are like, oh, my God, I don't even feel it. And you. it's just such great medicine. Yeah. I mean, it's really... It's, it's such good medicine and it's really not painful. Most people will do it. And then they're like, Oh my God, I feel so good. And some people actually get a high off of it because it really can stimulate your endorphins. Mm. And so you can leave treatment sometimes feeling like, Oh my God, I, like you're on top of the world.
0: And how far deep does the, I am just going to stay on a, the needles. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I know it's not really a yeah. needle. How, how deep does it go in? Like, where are you aiming for?
1: Yeah. It depends. So if you're, you know, if somebody has, um, sciatica and we're putting a needle in your bum, Mm. you know, the needle will be longer than if we're putting it in your face, you know, if we're doing like this point right here on the top of your head, the needle is like super thin, I mean, super short. Um, and if you're going into like an area that's more meaty, then it will be a little bit, um, deeper.
0: And you're aiming to like, so for instance, with sciatica, you'd aim for the muscle.
1: We don't look at it we don't look at it like as you're aiming for the muscle. Okay. It there's a point there mm. um on the gallbladder meridian and the point, you know, is in it's you know in the gluteus, but it's you know, a very specific point there. Okay. That you could feel. Like if I showed you, like with all the acupuncture points, it's really interesting because when you feel, you know, when you're feeling for the points, you know, there's usually like a really When you feel through the meridian, there's like a hole or or, um, an indentation kind of in that area that you can actually feel, Mm. which is really cool. Mm. And usually, when you press a point and it's very sore, you know, that's a sign that the energy is stuck. And so, a lot of times, once you put the needle in, it releases all that stuck energy, which which reduces the pain syndrome if you're treating something like pain.
0: Painful. Yeah. So, meridians would be like large nerves. Like, are you following veins or am I off? off
1: Yeah, it, you can. I mean, that's kind of how you can visualize it, but the meridians aren't associated with the circulatory system. So it's not, it's not associated with veins, Mm. but we obviously need to know, you know, where the veins are because you obviously don't want to put a needle into the vein. Um, but it, it, it looks like that. It looks like a highway, you know, like going through your body and they, some, some, like the stomach meridian and it goes down and you go down and then it goes all the way down to the foot. Mm. Um, and it's like, you know, it's like a line that you could think of like a vein, but it's more of an energy pathway.
0: Got it. Now, you mentioned before Tao or Tao, I think it's pronounced Tao. Is that related to uh, Chinese medicine? Tao is, tao is Chinese medicine?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's where it, it is related to. And there's different, there's traditional Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. There's different. And then there's like herbalism, which I studied as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yes, it's based in the thinking that the, our human bodies are a microcosm of the universe. And so when you think of the energy meridians, you, you know, think of like l- looking at a map and, you know, some parts of the map have mountains and some parts have rivers flowing through them. And some parts, there's a lot of trees that might need more water and dampness in some places. Like the spleen, it's better if it's dry and there's not a lot of dampness. Mm-hmm. And so I love that aspect because, and that's and that's another reason I love to talk about like regenerative farming and why urban remedies are organic is because when you look at your body in that way, that nature is us and we are nature, and then we're not taking care of our soil mm-hmm. and our microbiome mm-hmm. of the earth. And then you look at now, everybody's talking about the microbiome our microbiome yes. and how it's related to our brain health and our gut health and all of that. Um, there's such a huge association there, yeah. you know, and if you're eating food that's grown in dead soil um, compared to food that's grown in organic or that's farmed uh, regeneratively, you know, not only are you helping to heal your body and your microbiome, but the microbiome of the earth, which is super, super important.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. The idea that we eat food that's grown on soil that is depleted that's sad the food that we eat that comes from that soil affects us and then can make our microbiome depleted you know and sad and I mean literally yeah. serotonin is made in the stomach it's made in your gut yeah so you know if you've ever wondered why you're you know depressed you can mark it back to how are you treating yourself how are you eating how is it once yeah. again like food is medicine like how is it not medicine <laughs> You know, it can also be, it can also be poison. There are foods that are just not good for you, that are just not meant to be eaten, uh, whether it be in excess or not in excess. There are things that just, you shouldn't be eating. Yeah, And um, I, let's talk about organic and because you're very passionate about it and your company is organic and uh, and now you're into regenerative because regenerative is, from what I understand, one step further than, than organic. Organic says we don't spray any bullshit on our stuff, on our food and then, or our soil and then regenerative is how do we regrow the soil? How do we make sure that it regenerates? Yeah. Is that how you would define
1: organics it? A little, Organics a little bit more. Don't kill me. I have to plug in my charger. I is that okay? How dare you. Yeah, go.
0: Oh my God, no! <laughs> I just saw it. <laughs> I can't even believe
1: it. Oh my God, I'm in trouble. Okay. Sorry, hopefully you can edit this out. Okay sorry, Luke.
0: Hello. It's fine. Hi. Uh, you ready?
1: I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm ready. Great. Sorry about no, no, no that. No worries.
0: Yeah. So tell me how you define regenerative versus organic.
1: Yeah. So I think it's important to like define the few certifications mm. because I think people really get confused between non-GMO and organic as well. So Um, organic is automatically non GMO. So when you're buying something certified organic, it will never be grown with GMO seeds Mm -hmm. and it's not sprayed with harmful pesticides and chemicals like glyphosate and all of those um, toxic pesticides that are used. Um, So those are two of the major things. And then um, there is some standards in organic for um, animal welfare. And then also Conventional farming can use sewage sludge, which a lot of people don't know, to um, water the the crops. Oh my god! And organic, oh god. yeah, it's I mean, and it, it happens. I mean, it's a common thing. And organic does not it prohibits the use of sewage sludge.
0: Mm, so that's, good. Um, I think that's a good thing organic, to prohibit.
1: Yeah, it seems, yeah, that I don't seems really fair. want. Yeah yeah and so um so anyways that's the difference between organic and conventional Mm. non-gmo a lot of people think that oh if it's non-gmo it doesn't have the harmful pesticides and chemicals but that's not true non-gmo just means there's no gmo seeds okay so it uses the same tenants as conventional farming it's just not gmo seeds got it um Certified. And so there's a big thing with regenerative where there are a lot of companies saying, oh, we're regenerative and kind of greenwashing regenerative. And then there's the ROC certification, which is the regenerative certification. So to be certified regenerative, you automatically have to be organic. That's the first piece of that. And then um, there's no harmful pesticides and chemicals. They use composting, topsoil, crop rotation. Um, they they'll use um, different animal grazing if that's part of their um, practice yeah. on their farm. And um, it, it's really the highest standard in healing the soil and and. The thing I also love about regenerative, it, it's like what we talked about, like regenerative farming is based in living in harmony with nature and harmony with all aspects of the land that are on it. And it also has to do with the workers on the farm mm. and what, how, you know, how they're being treated and they look at that as well. And um, anyway, it's just, it's very, very exciting, but also a little bit scary. Cause like I said, there are other people that are defining regenerative in a different way Mm. that don't think it has to be organic. And so it's just really important that people understand that because we only have around forecasters are saying we have 60 more years. Um, if we keep going the way we're growing, going, and then our soil will be completely depleted. And so one of the other great things about regenerative farming is it heals the soil and it, um, it's great for carbon sequestration. So, um, it's, it's just a win-win, and it's really one of the only ways forward that we can heal people on the planet. And it goes back to that living in harmony with nature, right? If we can, if we can do that with our farming system, um, it's going to, you know, help us not be so disconnected on a lot of different levels. So it's yeah. It's very exciting. Heal the soil, yeah. heal the food,
0: heal yourself. It makes a lot of sense that yeah. if we're eating food that comes from great soil, that's full of nutrients, then we can then ingest those nutrients and a huge proportion of why we have to supplement, why we have to supplement with magnesium, you know, D and yeah. B 12 is because our food isn't nutritious as it once was because of all the way, the way we farm, monocropping, spraying all these pesticides, et cetera. And as as yeah. uh, so regenerative is kind of like it's it's the the next step and it's a really hot buzzword right now. I know that a lot of companies, even big yeah. ones that we would consider evil, like Nestle are uh, like saying that they will be 50 50 percent regenerative yeah. by certain times, which it sounds it yeah. sounds good, but the thing about these corporations and I will continue to call them evil, is that they lie they lie they yes. they will find ways around you know around all this yeah. you know they'll find ways to call themselves regenerative without actually being regenerative and so you know yes. keep keep the bastards honest that's what i say make sure you fucking look into what they're saying yes. and is it true so tell me about uh, urban yeah. remedy you guys regenerative and-
1: I want to just add one thing to that. If you see a ROC, a regenerative um, ingredient, like we use lotus rice is regeneratively farmed. There's like, I think there's 55 or 60 things that are certified right now because it's a relatively new certification. Um, you know, look for the ROC or go on their website and look at the things that they've certified. And if you see things like lotus rice or any of the other 55 or 60 ingredients that are certified regenerative, it's such a great way to vote with your dollars. And the same goes for organic, anything that's certified organic, if if you feel overwhelmed like I don't know, I'm worried about the soil health of the planet. Um, just buying certified organic is one way that you can help support the movement and organic farmers that are that are doing the good work that needs to happen.
0: Yeah, and are there products that like fruit and vegetables, vegetables. Wow. Uh, that's my I that's what my dad does. He he jokes, he says vegetables in a certain way, he's vegetables. And now I do that. Anyway, I'm that becoming my dad. Horrifying. Okay, so but <laughs> are there any vegetables that we have to buy and fruits that we have to buy organic that you just think is like don't 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 even question it?
1: Well, you're probably asking the wrong person because I only buy organic fruits and vegetables. Like I personally, um, <laughs> so so when I see those lists that are like the dirty dozen and whatnot, yes. I think yeah. that for me, I, it's more about that. I just want to support organic and I don't want to eat anything that's sprayed with glyphosate or harmful pesticides and chemicals. And I don't want to support, um, that way of farming. And Got so it. for me, cool. I just buy organic everything.
0: Yeah. And, but you know, but what about for people who don't have, <laughs> uh, who aren't the founders yeah. of urban remedy? Well, they yeah, just I- some, are there just some vegetables that you're just like, please just try and buy organic these ones.
1: Well, I think anything without a peel, you know, you would like to buy organic. If something has a peel on it like an orange or a banana or something like that, then at least you're peeling off. But a lot of these pesticides just so people really understand, a lot of these pesticides you cannot wash off. Like when when glyphosate is sprayed on a fruit or a vegetable, mm-hmm. it does not wash right. off. Yes. And so there's no washing it. So just I think that's an important thing to understand and you know, they've been testing, um, you know, umbilical cords of babies and finding tons of these pesticides and chemicals. Um, and so it gets passed from mother to child. And so it's really, um, you know, in my opinion, one of the reasons it's one of the other reasons that people are chronically ill is, you know, eating this food that actually really hurts your microbiome that has glyphosate on it. And so I always think of it as like, it's part of your medicine, you know? Um, Eating clean and not eating things that have chemicals that are going to poke little holes in your gut and things like that, like yeah. G- GMO corn and stuff.
0: Totally. When you get into the glyphosate and the way that it, if it's sprayed in one farm, it even can get winded over yes. to another. It's quite a depressing thing to start talking about. Yeah. Um. If you ever look up Zachary Bush, MD, he talks a lot about yes. this, and it's super sad. I love him. He's great. Yeah. But I and I I I would add to that, like you know, berries and things like of that nature. Do not yes. eat them. Not organic. I think wow. they are like they are holding factors for all of that glyphosate. Yes. Brown rice. We hear about how brine rice has that husk. Definitely, I would venture away from brown. I'd eat white rice and I eat organic white rice if I can get it, and it's yeah. not that expensive. Um, and yes. I'm cool with eating avocado. I'm. I know you're going to get angry at me. I'm cool with eating Banana avocados are that aren't <laughs> that are organic. I'm yeah. cool with eating oranges and grapefruit that aren't organic too. Uh, bananas. Yeah. I. Bananas, I kind of just venture into the, well, what one looks riper and readier for me. Um, That's just how I do that. But yes, I think like the peels seems to make sense. And if you have enough money to go fully organic for everything, then you may as well just do it.
1: But I would also just add, like if you go to Costco, they have so much organic for such a great price Mm. that it's the same price most of the time as conventional. So there are so many like organic is not as expensive as everybody thinks. If you go to a Costco, a lot of times when I'm at the grocery store, I'll look at organic apple next to a non-organic apple. And it's really just like a couple cents difference in price. So yes. it's not like $5 more a pound or anything like that.
0: Right. And, uh, and it supports agriculture that's responsible and it supports your gut microbiome better and it's yes. more nutrient, higher in nutrients. Uh, so it seems yes. like fairly no brainer, but you know, different budgets, yeah. different people. I totally get it. Yes, but Costco totally. seems to be the yeah. way baby. People keep telling me about Costco. Maybe I need to go on and spend that 75 and get a membership.
1: Yes. Yes. If you want to eat organic, Costco is a place to go. They have everything organic. They have organic, everything. It's incredible. So yes, it's a place to go if you want organic and you don't want to go shop at like Erewhon or something.
0: Yes. So, I mean, you've created this very successful business out of fresh food, That is, I mean, there are salads that I got delivered a couple of weeks ago and a a couple of weeks ago before that. I'm just like, how does a person do a business like this? How do you get fresh salads out to people in such a way that that must be a difficult thing to do?
1: It really is. I mean, cracking the code on fresh, nobody's really been able to do it, right? So, Mm -hmm. and that's part, it goes with a story that we were talking about before. It's like, you know, when you're making um, food that is really cheap to make. So like, think of like cookies and whatnot made with like GMO corn and wheat that has GMO sugar. And then it has the seed oils like that. That's very cheap food. And it makes a lot of sense for the people making it because it's not expensive. It has a very long shelf life. Mm -hmm. And when you have a long shelf life, you don't have to worry about purge when you're making fresh food with a short shelf life. And, you know, there's a saying good food goes bad. Um, it's very difficult. And so, you know, we, I'm very, very proud of our fresh and that we can ship to people like you and that we could sell fresh and whole foods in different markets and offer, you know, certified organic, um, yummy, fresh meals. Um, but it's really not easy. That part of the business is probably the most difficult because if you get your forecasting wrong or, if something's not put out on the shelf in time, then it's going to go bad. And then you have to throw it away. And you know, the cost of making that food is a little bit more expensive too. So it's terrible to, to have to purge. So it's a real balancing act and um, but it's something that everybody at urban remedy is super passionate about cracking the code and being able to offer, you know, really healing food to people.
0: Yeah. I've realized in the last few years that I've, I, I have my mother's frugalness, uh, tight us is, um, a word as <laughs> uh, a phrase that I would use sometimes on myself. I, I just hate throwing out food. I just really upsets yes. me. And I, I, do I, too. I it must, it must upset you when you guys have to throw out things.
1: Oh, it makes me physically, I hate it, but we like in our stores, we have stores up here, in NorCal, um, mm-hmm when the food is going to expire, we donate it to shelters and whatnot. We never throw it away.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah.
1: But still the goal is really to, you know, try to find that balance. And I, I mean, you know, I think we're just getting closer to that. Um, but it, it has been difficult, but then we have other things that kind of offset like our bars and all of our juices and our drinks and all of Mm. that stuff. So, um, we have some stuff with a very, like a seven day shelf life. And then we have some things that have like our cookies that will have like a couple months shelf life.
0: Yeah. Shout out to the cookies. I think they're the best cookies I've ever had. Thank you. Off a shelf. Yeah, I, I, like mean, them I mean, literally like so good. I remember when I first started eating them, I was like, I don't know if I can afford these, There's, but they're fucking good. You've dropped the price yeah. on them.
1: But they're not, but they're really not that expensive. They're... I think for a bag, they're like under three dollars, right? or they're th- maybe 350. I can't remember how much they're sold like at but a Whole Foods.
0: You did drop the price on them.
1: Oh, yeah, okay, because we had the big cookies,
0: and yeah, those yeah, were more yeah.
1: expensive, and then we went to the little minis, and yes, okay. there's a big price difference, yes
0: appreciated because
1: And that's been a goal. Yeah.
0: That's that's good. Yeah. Try and make it more accessible for people. Like we all need to be eating yes. this stuff. And and those cookies, like me and my I would I bought them first and Kara ate them. We both ate them, but Kara then kept buying them and I was like, this is a this isn't a weekly thing. We can't afford these <laughs> urban remedy cookies every week. You have to relax. And now with the the little smaller ones they're more accessible yeah. for us. Yes. Oh good.
1: Yeah, See, And that was really the goal. No, I mean, it's, I, I feel the same way and I'm really working on trying to lower the price of all of our products. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, having the, like everything we use is organic. So it's a little bit more expensive, um, and not using things like in all of our salads, we use olive oil, you know, as the base, we don't nice. use any canola or whatever. So you can imagine there's a price difference there. So, yeah. um, yeah. Yes, but yes, making our food more accessible is one of our highest priorities for
0: people. I love that, Nika Pasquale. Our yeah. time has come to an end, but what a joy! It's so nice to um, chat to you for an thank hour because last time I met you, I was I wanted to ask you a million more questions about Chinese medicine, and so I got to do that today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. It was so fun talking to you. And next time I see you, I'm going to give you an acupuncture session.
0: That'd be that'd be great. But quickly, just tell people how we can find you. Yeah.
1: Um, so if you're looking for urban remedy, you can go to urbanremedy.com, and we have a locations page we um, national at, uh, throughout the East coast, um, and the West coast and some other regions, the Rocky mountains. And if you click locations, you can see what whole foods we're in and where some other natural grocers like Molly stones, um, and grocery stores like that. And we have our stores and we also ship directly to you if you order on the website.
0: Amazing! Can we follow you on Instagram? Like, are we allowed to do that? Or
1: yeah, it's well, you could follow Urban Remedy, which is, is just Urban Remedy, and my mm. my Instagram is Nika underscore loves l o b e s.
0: That's so yeah. cute, Nika loves. <laughs> you know what? I
1: Somebody that worked for me just like did it, and we were trying to think of names, and anyways, that one kind of stuck. My middle N- name is Love. I had total hippie parents, and oh. so it's kind of related to that.
0: Wait, so it's Nika underscore loves, right?
1: Yeah. L-O-V-E-S loves.
0: Oh, cute. It could be Nika underscore loves 69XOXO.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Maybe I should change (laughs) it to that.
0: (laughs) What a joy. Thanks for chatting with me.
1: Thank you so much, Luke.